Well, good morning, everybody. We're going to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. It's the passage that uh, Mel enacted so superbly for us just a few minutes ago. Page 840 in the Bible. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Uh, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at church. I'd like to add my welcome to that of Claire's. It's great that you can uh, join us at church this morning. Let's pray and uh, let's get stuck into God's Word together. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you are the God who speaks. Uh, you speak clearly through your word, through your son, Jesus. And Lord, we pray that we might see Jesus clearly this morning, that we might see he is the compassionate God who provides, the one who really satisfies. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I, I think the slogan has changed, but when I grew up, the, the advertising slogan for Snickers was, Snickers really satisfies. Have you heard that before? Snickers really satisfies. Now, I'd have to say that when I'm kind of heading through the countdown checkout and if I'm tempted to buy some confectionery from that kind of display of chocolate bars that are there before you at the cash register, uh, it's a Snickers bar I'm grabbing first almost every single time. Is anyone here who that would be their, their bar of choice? Yep, we're getting a few nods. About a million times better than a Mars bar, I'd say. A flake, who even buys that? But Snickers, the superior shortcut to type 2 diabetes, they say Snickers really satisfies, but does it? Does it? How long does a Snickers satisfy for? Well, I reckon it tastes pretty good for about the first minute. But according to the internet, the 27 grams of sugar mean that your blood sugar spikes. What this does is it does something to your brain. Your brain creates, uh, it boosts its dopamine production, which is a brain chemical. That means that you're switched on and you're alert and you're feeling good about life. But then your blood sugar level and your dopamine level, it drops. And it leaves you feeling more hungry and more lethargic than when you started. Hardly satisfying, right? 
Now, also according to the internet, they reckon if you just ate Snickers bars and drank water, just Snickers and water, you would probably survive about a month, maybe two, and then you would die of scurvy through a lack of vitamins and minerals. Snickers, it doesn't really satisfy. Now, even though we know this about like sugary treats at the cash register, even though we know this about lots of the short-term fixes in our life, most of us, we approach life with the Snickers attitude. We, we approach life with a Snickers attitude, trying to get the most and trying to get satisfaction out of life. And so we scoff down quick fixes, uh, whether they're literally food or whether they're just like shopping or traveling somewhere new or watching porn on the internet or finding a new job or starting a new diet or going to another footy game or placing a bigger bet or eating another meal or starting a new relationship or, or whatever. We think if we fill our lives with these quick fixes... Everything will be okay. It will really satisfy. And these quick fixes, they might make us feel good for a moment, but often they leave us feeling more empty. They leave us feeling more broken, more lost than we did before. They never really satisfy. Now, if that's you, if that sounds like your life, if that sounds like the merry-go-round you're on at the moment... If you're looking for something that really will satisfy, then listen up. Listen up, because God's Word has something to say to you today. God's Word is going to show you where you can find real and lasting satisfaction. Uh, So open up with me to Matthew's Gospel. Uh, We're looking at the passage that Roger just read for us. Uh, It's Matthew chapter 14. Uh, Now, last week we saw uh, that that the conflict between Jesus and the leaders of Israel has been brewing and it's actually begun to boil over. It's it's boiled over into open hostility. Uh, Jesus' own hometown has rejected him and John the Baptist, uh, the the prophet who was preparing the way for Jesus, well, he's just been been beheaded by King Herod. And so things are getting really serious now. Uh, So look at how Jesus responds in verse 13, the first verse of our sections. Of section chapter 14 verse 13 uh, when jesus heard what had happened that is about king herod uh, about john the baptist he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place uh, jesus has decided that now is the time to make himself scarce and so he withdraws Uh, Now, despite Jesus' best efforts to get some introvert time, some time away from people and away from the danger, uh, the crowds in the villages, they have other ideas. Second half of verse 13, uh, hearing of this, that is hearing that Jesus was going away, the crowds, they followed him on foot from the towns. Uh, Now, if you have children, you'll know this feeling well. You've decided that the mess in the kitchen can be dealt with later. You've put Peppa Pig on the TV and you've retreated for a moment's solitude away from the kids. And before you've even had a chance to close the toilet door and fire up Facebook on your phone, the pitter-patter of little feet is outside and you're swamped all over again. And that moment of peace that you're hoping for, that you needed to get through the afternoon, it, it seems like a mirage on the horizon. You just can't get it. And so surely this is how Jesus is feeling, right? Grumpy frustrated just over the interruptions over the people well no verse 14 verse 14 when jesus landed he saw a large crowd and here it is here's how jesus responded he had compassion on them 
As Jesus arrives at the shore, he is not frustrated or grumpy that his alone time, that his peace and quiet has been interrupted. He sees this crowd and he is filled with compassion for them. He has care and concern for them. Uh, Now, that word in compassion, uh, that word compassion, every time it's used in Matthew's gospel, it's only ever used to describe how Jesus feels about people. He has compassion on them. In chapter 9, we saw that uh, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like, they were being harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that word compassion, uh, that word is kind of derived from entrails, kind of the entrails of your guts, where we would say, my heart breaks for you. Ancient people would say, I'm gutted for you. Jesus feels this gut-wrenching compassion for people and for these crowds, even though they've interrupted his alone time. And so what does Jesus do with this gut-wrenching compassion? Well, verse 14, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. You see, Jesus doesn't kind of see the crowds and kind of offer thoughts and prayers. Um, He sees the crowds and he acts. He does something about it. He is the compassionate healer we see. And now, even though Matthew, uh, he only kind of covers this in a few short words, uh, it, 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 it might seem to us like this is no big deal. It just says, he healed the sick. And we're kind of like, well, of course he would do this. This is Jesus, right? That's what he does. Just like birds fly and fish swim and cows go moo, Jesus healing people is kind of just what he does. No big deal. And so we pass over it. But just wait and consider for a moment. In verse 21, at the end of this passage, we're told that there were 5,000 men plus women and children. That would put the the number of people in this crowd on the side of the lake in the vicinity of 20 to 30,000 people. That's the number of people who went to see 660 at Sky Stadium last night. And if you put that many people in one place, and if you were to go around one by one, and you were to hear their stories, and if you were to meet their needs, and if you were to deal with all of their sickness, like Jesus is doing by the lake... Well, it's immense. It would be overwhelming. And yet Jesus, he doesn't tell them to go away. He doesn't tell them to be alone. He doesn't tell them that this is his me time. Without complaint, without bitterness and resentment, Jesus, verse 14, he has compassion on them and he healed their sick. He cares for them. He meets their need. We see that Jesus is the compassionate healer, but it doesn't stop there in this story. We also see that Jesus is the miraculous provider. Uh, Now, clearly, it's taken a long time to work his way through the crowd uh, to heal all their sick, and things are getting late. And the disciples, they start to get worried. Uh, Have a look at verse 15. Verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him, and they said, this is a remote place. Literally, this is a wilderness, and it is already getting late. Send the crowd food. Now, I reckon the disciples here, they're trying to be responsible adults. Um, They've assessed the situation. They can see that there's trouble on the horizon. Maybe they think Jesus is so swept up in his compassion and healing people, he's lost track of the time. And they decide that it'd be better to shut things down, send the people away, pull up stumps so they can go out and get the food that they need. And they're, they're kind of like the security guards at the end of the concert, right? Show's over, folks. Time to go home. But Jesus... He's having none of it. Verse 16, Jesus replied, 
They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. See, Jesus is in no rush here. He's not going to sell these people short, but the disciples, they are baffled. And after a quick stock take of the food supply, the disciples reply, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, even if those loaves are some sort of spectacular lockdown sourdough creation, there is no way that they're going to be enough for this crowd. And why doesn't Jesus seem to want to do the responsible thing here? It can't be that Jesus doesn't care about the people, right? He's just responded to them with gut-wrenching compassion. It's his day off and he spent the whole day healing their sick. But he says they don't need to go away. But why, Jesus? Why don't they need to go away? I think the reason is because they need Jesus more than they need food in their bellies. They need Jesus more than they need convenience and comfort. They need Jesus more than anything else. And they don't need to go away because Jesus is the miraculous provider. He can and He will meet their needs. Have a look at verse 18 with me. Verse 18. Bring them here to me. That is the bread and the fish, He said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. You see, Jesus, he miraculously provides. He takes the five loaves and the two fish and he feeds this multitude by the lake. And he doesn't just give them a snack, something just to tide them over. Verse 20 emphasizes how total, how complete this was. Verse 20, they all ate and they were satisfied. No one missed out. No one went hungry. I know there are some people who, who read this in the Bible. And when they read the Bible, they have a prior commitment to the idea that miracles can't happen. Uh, and because they think miracles can't happen, when they read a passage like this, they look for some sort of natural, normal way to explain how it might have taken place. And I've heard this explanation before. Uh, when the disciples got their, uh, their, their five loaves and their two fish out, they began to share their lunch. And some people in the crowd saw this sharing and they were inspired. And so they started following their lead. And before you know it, picnic baskets and Tupperware containers are being passed around everywhere. And someone's got fish and someone's got bread. And someone's got one of those crunchy noodle salads that always appears at a shared lunch. And skeptics say that Jesus, he's just inspired this miracle of sharing. It's one big kind of impromptu potluck lunch by the lake. But the text won't let us go there, will it? The text won't let us conclude this. You're left with some troubling questions. Were the disciples wrong? When they said there was no more food than just this bread and this fish, were they wrong? Were they mistaken? The text also tells us that they collected up 12 large baskets left over. 12 large baskets. Where was that hiding when the disciples went looking for more food? And the way the disciples will respond to Jesus only a few verses later, they'll actually respond to Jesus by bowing down and worshipping Him. They'll declare Him to be the Son of God. 
clearly they're convinced that something special has happened. Something more special than a church potluck lunch. You see, they think that Jesus is more. They're convinced that Jesus is the compassionate healer and now they have seen that he is the miraculous provider. As they've seen, he's the compassionate healer and the miraculous provider. They've, they've begun to realize a bit more about who Jesus really is. Because these things, as he heals and he provides, Jesus is revealing something really significant to those by the, the, lake, uh, by the shores of the lake. He's really revealing something really significant to you and me if we, have, uh, if we have the willingness to read carefully. I mean, on one level, like on the surface of things, right? Healing all of those sick feeding all of those people. That's pretty great. That's pretty powerful. That on its own ought to command our attention and our respect. But there's more going on here. That's only half the picture that Matthew is presenting. Because if we put this in the context of the whole Bible, we'll see that Jesus is more than just a miracle worker, more than a guy who's just got some serious catering skills. Jesus is actually making here a massive claim about who he is. He's making a massive claim about who he is and he's, making, he's giving us a great sign about what he has come to do. So what's the claim that Jesus is making here by doing this by the lake? Who is he claiming to be? Well, to work that out, we need to ask ourselves, where have I seen something like this before? Where else in the Bible, where else in the history of God's people has a large crowd been out in the wilderness in need of something to eat? And for the original readers, it would have been obvious. There would have been bells going off in their head the whole time. This is just like the Exodus, when God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. This is just like the manna, the bread that came from heaven, as God miraculously provided food for his people. You see, in verse 13, where it says that Jesus withdrew by boat to a solitary place, and in verse 15, when the disciples say to Jesus, this is a remote place, solitary and remote, they're the same word in the original language. And what they really mean is wilderness or desert. And later on in the New Testament, when the writers of the New Testament want to refer to the Exodus, this time where God's people were out in the desert, they'll use this same word for wilderness, desert, solitary place, remote place. And so when the original readers see that Jesus is leading a crowd of God's people out into the wilderness. And when they see that Jesus is ordering the people to sit down, he starts to marshal the disciples to distribute the food, just like the manna in the Exodus. When they see Jesus miraculously feeding God's people in the desert, the original readers would have known exactly what he was claiming to be. He was claiming not to be just a provider, but he was claiming to be God the provider. He's not just a miracle worker, but he is God with us. He is not just uh, a feeder of people. This is God who has come to gather his people. God who has come to meet their needs. When Jesus feeds this crowd by the side of the lake, he is showing us that he is God. The God who has come to rescue his people. And as he feeds the crowds, there's a great sign about what he is doing, about how that rescue is going to take place. 
Uh, if we keep reading Matthew's gospel later on in, in chapter 26, we're going to read about another meal that Jesus shares with his followers. Um, just like we saw in verse 19, Jesus breaking bread and giving thanks. So at the last supper with his disciples, Jesus will break bread and give thanks. And then he'll go on to explain what it means. And he'll use that to explain what he came to do. If you, if you want turn with me in your Bible uh, to chapter 26. It's on page 853. It's just a few pages over. Chapter 26, and looking there at verse 26. So 26, 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread... And when he had given thanks, just like he did by the side of the lake, he broke it, just like he did by the side of the lake. And he gave it to his disciples, just like he did by the side of the lake. And he said, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So what does this meal mean? What has Jesus come to do? Well, Jesus is telling his disciples that he has come to die. Like the bread was broken, his body will be shattered on the cross. It was broken for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus came to give his life in our place for our sin, and He is showing us that He is the God who has come to satisfy, to really, truly satisfy our deepest need. And so as Jesus feeds this crowd in the wilderness it's with bread, it is a sign to them, a sign to them, pointing them forward to the cross, pointing them forward to what Jesus is going to do, pointing us back to what Jesus has done pointing to the breaking of His body in their place, pointing to the punishment that He will suffer for what we have done, pointing to the reality that He died to save us. You see, Jesus' compassion here, Jesus' provision, they reveal that Jesus is the God who saves, which really means He is the one who truly satisfies. He is the God who satisfies. Uh, one of the things that really stood out to me this week as I've spent time in this passage is what Jesus says there at the beginning of verse 16. Uh, verse 16, when, when the disciples come to Jesus and say there's not enough food, Jesus replies by saying, they do not need to go away. They don't need to go away. And it stood out to me this week as uh, about how profound this verse is because of the picture that it is painting. This verse is really where the rubber hits the road. Because the crowds by the lake are in the presence of Jesus, Jesus has gathered them. Jesus is healing them. Jesus is providing for them. Ultimately, He's providing their greatest need. He's providing their rescue from the consequences of their sin. Because the crowds are there with Jesus, He says they don't need to go away. They don't need anything else. They can eat with me. And, as it says in verse 20, be satisfied. 
They all ate and were satisfied. They can be perfectly satisfied with Jesus. They have all they need with Jesus. They can find compassion and provision and salvation with Jesus. Which means that they don't need to head to the villages to find food, either kind of literal or metaphorical. They don't need the sugar rush or the dopamine hit that comes from the the little life which means that they don't need to chase the next new thing. They don't need to get the approval of that important person. They don't need a valentine on Valentine's Day. They don't need to fulfill every sexual desire they have. They don't need to prove themselves to the people over there. They don't need to look a certain way to fit in. They don't need to overachieve to meet the standards of their own internal critic. Because none of that will work. None of that will last. They can be perfectly satisfied. You can be perfectly satisfied with Jesus. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, an American Puritan preacher, uh, put it like this. He said, The enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. The enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. Come and feed your soul on Jesus. He is the only thing, the only thing that will satisfy. He is the compassionate healer. He is the miraculous provider. He is the God who really satisfies. Will you pray with me? Lord, our lives are full. They're full of things that we try time and time again to provide us with the satisfaction that we crave. But Lord, our experience tells us and your word tells us that nothing else will satisfy, nothing other than Jesus. Lord, we praise you that Jesus is our compassionate healer, that he is our miraculous, our divine provider. We praise you for Jesus, the one who really satisfies. And Lord, if we are finding or trying to find satisfaction in other things, Lord, free us from that. Free us from the power and the control of these things, whether it be the approval of others, whether it be our own expectations, whether it be the the pressures and concerns of the world around us. Lord, free us from these things so that we might be completely satisfied with you. And Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.